you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. This is a uh, real familiar chapter that we've read and preached about many times concerning the demon-possessed man that, uh, that God healed. And, but I want to use uh, a portion of this scripture to talk about, talk about just sharing uh, the message of Jesus Christ uh, with, uh, with wherever we go. I was thinking a while ago, we were, we're in, a, in a sort of a series on Sunday night about priorities. What, what, things, what, what kind of priorities do we need to have as far as church is concerned? What, what things do we need to do? We talked a little bit about love, that love must be a priority for us. And uh, tonight we want to look at, we want to look at, I'm just going to label it evangelism, but really evangelism is just, is just sharing, sharing Jesus, just sharing the faith that God has, uh, has blessed you with. But I was thinking a while ago that I come through a, a time in church, Brother Parker, probably many of you have, that in order to evangelize, or we thought evangelism had to do with, you had to carry a big Bible around with you and you had to go knock on doors every Saturday morning. Anybody ever else had that picture in your mind? That's, that's pretty much what evangelism was. And we felt like that you couldn't, you couldn't evangelize any other way except you do that, except if you was an evangelist to come and speak to a church. Now, we, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that in, in our idea and picture sometimes. And I, hope, I hope that has changed over the course of time of what our idea of, of what an evangelist is supposed to look like. But I grew up in a time where he had a certain look about him. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But we want to deal with uh, this thing about just sharing, sharing the message of Jesus Christ. As I said, evangelism is just simply defined as just, it's just spreading the gospel, spreading Christianity, uh, whether, by, whether by word, whether by action, whether by deed, whoever you are, whoever, uh, wherever you may be, uh, the place of business, wherever, so that people can see Jesus in you. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Is it possible for us to share Jesus without saying a word? Yeah, it is. It's possible for us to share the good news of Jesus. We don't even have to open our mouth, really. Now, we get to a lot of times, and we get to talk to people, but really, to be Christ-like and to share the message, Brother Larry, I ought to be able to do that without even opening my mouth many times. By the way I act, by the way my attitude is, by the way, by just my mannerisms, all those kind of things, we need to share the love of Jesus. Look with me, if you will, in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, look, look down at verse number 18. Again, we're talking about this demon-possessed man that was healed. Uh, Jesus landed on the, on the shore there, and, and he came running up to him. Verse 8 says, you know, he, he told him to come out of the, of the man unclean spirit. Verse 9 says that, what is your name? And you know the story. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. But when you get down to verse 18, he says this, and when he got into the boat, talking of Jesus, when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him. In other words, he didn't let him, he didn't let him come with him. But he said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion upon you. And he departed, talking of the demon-possessed man, or that used to be a demon-possessed man, this man departed, and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And the Bible says everybody marveled. Everybody marveled at what the, the Lord had done to this demon-possessed man. Now, I don't have to go into detail. We all know that story, and so I don't really have to go into detail about what happened and what change took place in this, in this man's life. But he had a drastic change that took place in his life. Amen. 
He was possessed by the Bible that the Bible says it was legions of demons, many demons that was, that was entered this man. And when he saw the Son of Man and he saw Jesus, he came and he ran to him. And Jesus basically commanded to the evil spirit, I want you to come out of this man. The man had such an admiration for what the Lord had done for him. The man had such a love for what Jesus had done for him. He had brought him out of the torment that he was in. He had brought him out of all of the things that he was, he was confined with. He, would, he was running around in chains, and he would break the chain. All, you know the story. And he was so overwhelmed. that, but, And probably you and I would, would want to be the same way. We would just want to go with the man that delivered us, right? We would just want to go with Jesus. Oh, well, you've done these wonderful things. I just want to go with you. That's not a strange. It's not a hard request. He wanted to go, but Jesus didn't permit him. Jesus otherwise told him this. He said, I don't want you, I don't, you can't go, but I want you to go home. And when you go home, just don't enter your house. I want you to begin to tell your friends the things that had been accomplished for you. I want you to testify, in other words. I want you to go and begin to evangelize, if you will. I want you to preach what, I have, what I've done for you. When, when people know who you are, and everybody around knew this guy, they knew, they knew this guy, they knew what he, what he was all about, they knew the things that had taken place, but when they saw him changed, hallelujah, when they saw something different about this guy, that was a testimony in itself. But Jesus said, I want you to go and begin to testify by preaching, by personal witness, whatever. Back in 1985, in September, there was a report, or a report that was given in the paper of the Times in, in, the, in New Philadelphia, Ohio. This report, this story went like this. There was a party around the pool that was held to celebrate the first summer in memory without a drowning in New Orleans City Pool. And they began to celebrate this. In honor of this occasion, they said that 200 people gathered, including 100 certified lifeguards. As the party was breaking up and the four lifeguards on duty began to clear the pool, they found a fully dressed body in the deep end of the pool that had died. They tried to revive this guy by the name of Jerome Moody of 31, but it was too late. They couldn't revive him. He had drowned. Think about this. He had drowned surrounded by lifeguards. He had drowned surrounded by over 100 lifeguards and people that were there that day to celebrate that had been no drowning. Think about this. You say, well, Pastor, that's, that's sort of an interesting story, but what does that got to do with us? When you think about the tragedy of that story, how much more tragic is it for us, for you and I, to encounter lost souls every day? And they're drowning in the sea of sin. They're drowning in that pool of where they think nobody cares about them anymore. They're drowning in lostness. They're drowning in where they feel useless. They're drowning where they don't have hope for tomorrow. But you and I have hope. You and I have a reason and a story basically to give them, but yet sometimes we refuse to give that story. Maybe, maybe not, I shouldn't say refuse. Maybe, maybe we feel like there's not an opportunity to present itself. Maybe we feel like sometimes that I don't want to push my religion on somebody. But can I tell you this? Nine times out of ten, somebody is wanting to hear some hope. Nine times out of ten, somebody is wanting to know what's different about you. 
What is, what is different in your life, especially if they knew you before you were saved, right? They want to know what is different about you, what a tragedy that is. And it's possible, it's possible, just like this story about these lifeguards, that we spend our time basking in the glory of Christ and celebrating our own successes. We consume ourselves and neglect to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not news to you, especially those of you that's been coming to our church for a while. You've, you've heard this little testimony of mine where I, I, got, I got real stirred up on this a few, several years ago. And I said, Lord, I, I want you just to put somebody in my path that I can witness to. You remember that? I just want you to put somebody in my path that I can witness to. And that, and that particular day, I was in a hurry and I run down to Walmart. And I was picking up something, and I happened to leave it there at Walmart, and I got back out in the car and drove back down here only to discover I left my, what I purchased, and so I run, rushed back down there. And as I was running inside, uh, well, I really wasn't running. I was walking real fast. But as I was rushing back inside to get my package to this certain register, there was a lady that was behind the same register that I was at talking to one of the clerks, and she was crying, and she was just bawling. You could tell that something was not right with her. You could tell she was upset, and I rushed in, and I give her a glance. I said, boy, in my mind, I'm thinking, what's wrong with this, this lady? I mean, she, she looks like she's upset, and I got my package, and I run out, and about halfway back to church, the Lord said, I thought you wanted me to put somebody in your path. And I said, I did, Lord. That's my prayer. He said, I did, and you didn't do nothing about it. Well, that sort of slapped me upside the face a little bit. Now, I don't know if I could have helped that young lady or not, but the opportunity was there. And when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about evangelizing, when we talk about spreading Christianity everywhere that we go, listen, you don't have to say anything sometimes, but there are moments that God gives you to be able to speak positive truths into that individual that God puts across, puts across your path, right? And it's our opportunity and it's our duty to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Amen. And when you think about it, when you start a conversation with somebody that you don't know, I'm going to tell you, any conversation can lead to Christ. Any conversation can lead to the goodness of Jesus Christ. And many times, I told you earlier, we, we've got this picture in our mind about this evangelist. Now, this is what happened when I grew up. This is, this is how I, 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 I envisioned an evangelist when they come to church. Now, yours may have been different, but the circles that I run with, this is, this is, the, this is what come across your mind. This evangelist was come was always going to be overweight. Every time. He was going to be a preacher that had a lot of hair, that he used hairspray to hold that hair down, right? And you couldn't move that hair. I mean, he could be preaching, the Holy Ghost get a hold of him, and his, when he moved his head, his whole hair just moved with him. It, you, you, would not get his, you, wouldn't get his, you wouldn't get his hair out of place. This guy, this evangelist, would be coding a, a red letter, Schofield, King James Bible. He would always be snort, stomping and snorting and shouting and sweating and spitting all over the place. That's when you had a good evangelist. And he would tell you things like, if you don't change your ways, you're going to bust hell wide open. Amen? You're going to bust hell wide open. That was the middle picture that we had when I was growing up about evangelists. Now, Sad to say, some of them actually look like that. That's just how they looked. Now, you may have a difference of opinion about your evangelist and, and, and what you thought he looked like, and, and that may be that type, but, but, but you've got to understand that when we looked in the mirror, we, we've got to understand that we're saved, and we have this responsibility, and our responsibility is we simply must tell somebody about the love 
of Jesus Christ. Look over at your neighbor right now and don't, don't envision them as, as that evangelist, but just look at them because here's the thing I want you to get. Everyone that you're looking at right now, you have the responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But pastor, I can't get up behind a pulpit. I'm not asking you to. I can't play a piano like Sister Michelle. I'm not asking you to. I can't play the drums like Sister Nancy. I'm not asking you to. I can't, I can't do those things like a lot of people can do. I'm not asking you to. But do you understand? You've got the most beautiful message of the love of Jesus Christ in your life, and you have a responsibility to share it with somebody else. Amen. How do you do that, Pastor? You talk to them. You minister to them. You befriend somebody. You invite them to church. You take them out to eat. You do whatever's necessary. I mean, if you feel like if this was your last day on earth, what would you change? If this was your last day and you knew that Jesus was coming at 6 o'clock in the morning, what would you change in your life today or tonight? Would you just simply go home and fix you a bologna sandwich and that's that? I tend to think that's probably not what we would do. We've got family members. We've got loved ones that we want to see saved, amen. And we would do our best to go to them and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if you're going to believe me, but the Lord is coming at 6 in the morning, and you've got to give your heart to him. We would share the message of Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at this account of this man who is possessed with this legion of demons and consider the thought that, that this has got to be a priority in our life. What is our motive to, to speak to others? What is our motive to share with others? There's reasons that you do what you do. There's reasons I do what I do. Why, why do you go to work? Think about it. Why do you go to work? Why do you spend time doing recreational activities? Why do you go home at night? The reason that you do these things is because you're motivated to do those things. You go to work because you want a job, right? You go to work because you have to have an income. You do those things because you've got to have money coming in so you can go buy bread and meat and all those kinds. Of, we're motivated to do these things. You go to work because of those things. You do recreational activities to relax. You go home because you love your family. You want to be in the solace of your home. And that's where, that's where you can be yourself, amen. The peace and the safety of that. What is, but what is the motive for evangelism? What is the motive to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? A life that's been transformed, a life that's been changed. Think about this demon-possessed man. Verse 18 said, and when he, was, when he was come to the ship, that he had been, been possessed with the devil, prayed that, Lord, I just want to go with you. I want to be with you. I, you've changed my life, in other words. He saw his painful past. He saw the condition that he was in. This man was possessed with an unclean spirit. Matter of fact, when you look in verse 2, he said, when he come out of the ship, he said, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit in this chapter 5 immediately when he came come out of the tombs and he was met with that this man you already know the story lived among the dead how would you like to have that as a as a as a home how would you like to have that as an address he lived among the dead he had his dwelling among the tombs nobody could help him nobody could bind him the bible says not with chains because there had been often he would have been bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters that was broken in pieces neither could any man tame him the bible says this guy was messed up he was messed up he was in continuous agony continuous agony always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones constantly i thought about that when i was reading that this week over again and i got to thinking about some people that i've talked to in my office and some of them just, just uh, 
just stands out more than others, I guess. And they'll come, as I've told you many, many times, they'll come wanting assistance for uh, rent or assistance for utilities or needing assistance with food or, or whatever the case. I mean, there's all kinds of... Uh, I, I, I wish I'd have started way back on keeping a list of all the different reasons why people need assistance. But, but what I've noticed out of some is that there's a hurt and an agony deeper than the need for rent. There's a hurt and there's an agony deeper than it is for food even. And when you begin to talk to them, and when you begin to open up to them, you begin to see their eyes begin to water, and you begin to see their lip begin to quiver because they don't want to break down in front of this stranger. We just need help. We just, we just need a little assistance here to get us by because they're fixing to cut off the, cut off the electricity, and they're fixing to cut off this. And you begin to talk to them a little more. And I've got some even to open up to me and begin to weep and begin to cry and say, Pastor, I've just found myself in a rut and I cannot get out of it. There's one particular young man that I've helped and talked to for several years now. And I've tried to help him and talk to him and get him out, get him out of the rut that he's in. But he always constantly, Brother Parker, seems to go back in that same rut. And he'd come by just the other day, and I was talking to him. And I said, son, listen to me. I've helped you over and over. And not every time that he comes, but over and over, over a period of, of, of years, I've helped you. What are you doing? What are you changing in your life? And you can listen to him talk and say, Brother Danny, I, this is what's going on in my life, and this is what's going on. And you can see it's so much deeper than that. He is hurt. He's in agony. This young man here that was in the tomb, he was in agony. He was tormented, crying, cutting himself. But how many knows when Jesus shows up on the scene, changes take place. Hallelujah. And I submit to you tonight, church, that if you and I can carry the powerful message of Jesus Christ, wherever we go, change will take place in those that we talk to their lives. Change will take place. All we've got to do is be a vessel that we're willing to share with them. Be a vessel, be a conduit that the love of God can come through. He said here, he said, come out of this man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. And a large herd of swine, you already know this was feeding, there near the mountains. And all the demons begged him saying, hey, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned into the sea. I mean, pigs don't even like demons. Why do we, why do we entertain the devil? Pigs don't even like. They run and drown into the sea. They, those that fed the swine, they told it in the city, in the country. And they went out to see what had happened that day. And then came Jesus and saw one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting he was clothed he was sitting at the feet of jesus and here's the cool thing he was in his right mind hallelujah i love it when old black ministers get up and said i thank god that he got me up this morning i thank god that he put breath in my body and i thank god that he let me have a right mind hallelujah hallelujah See, we need, to, we, need, we need to begin praying that prayer. Thank God for a right mind. Thank God for a spirit that will come in and, 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 and love on us and take care of us and cleanse us from all unworthiness. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice the change in this guy. Notice the change after Jesus shows up. This man who couldn't be bound with chains, no man could tame him, was now comforted. This man was sitting, the Bible says, in clothes. 
Peace had replaced torment. Instead of being driven about by the demons, the Bible says he was calm. He was comforted. He was no longer going around out of control and cutting himself. He is in completely sane and in the possession of a right, right uh, 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 a rational mind. He was thinking clearly. Say, what are you talking about, Pastor? What does that got to do with evangelism? That's what evangelism is. That's what trying to share the good news. Of Je- That's our mission, church. That's the mission that we have, is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you think about it, sometimes we make it so hard, but the, but the message of Christ is so simple. It's simple. Jesus came. He died. He rose again. And he done it for you. Amen. It's that simple. He done it for you and I. Verse 19 says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has, compa- he had, he has had compassion upon you. Look, l- listen to me. You don't have to be a theologian to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a preacher even to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, let me help some of you. Every one of you that are born again in this house tonight, every one of you that are saved tonight, every one of you, you may not hold papers with the church of God. You may not hold papers with the Southern Baptists. You may not hold papers with the, with the Catholic Church. But every one of you are preachers of the gospel. Oh, no, not me, Pastor. Oh, yes, you are. Whether you like it or not, you are a preacher of the gospel. What are you? You're proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Everywhere that you go, every place that you go, everything that you proclaim, the message of Jesus Christ. That's why I get tickled sometimes when some folks will come and talk to me a little bit and say, hey, you can't believe what happened to me the other day. This lady done this, this man done this. Boy, I give them a piece of my mind. And I, I grin a little bit. Sometimes I'll say, well, what good did that do? How are you promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ? How how are you sharing the love? But pastor, you don't know what, I I get all of that. I have those same things. I got that same flesh rises up in me sometimes. I want to give some of them a piece of my mind. But we have to back up and understand, as I was telling you this morning, if we're going to speak grace, then our words has got to be grace to the hearers. Amen. We've got to speak those, those things of grace and mercy to the hearers. They won't understand it. And I will tell you, in their heart, they'll say, hey, I don't know what's different, but I want to be, I want, I want what they've got. You don't got to be a theologian to preach the gospel. You know what a definition of a witness is? A witness is just somebody who by explanation, who by demonstration gives an audible and a visible evidence of what can be seen and what can be heard without even being deterred by the consequences of the actions. You're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might be going through hell, but you're still preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may be going through all kinds of stuff in your life, but you're still proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And is it not good news? Good news. Good news. Now, we we get excited when good news comes to our house, right? I don't know about you, but around this time, it's tax season. And if those of you that's already here, you've done your taxes, you get money back, that's good news. Yeah. It's funny because most of us, we won't put it in the bank. We want to go spend it on something for us, right? Because it's good news. It's good news. When I was growing up and I got birthday money or I got something like that, I didn't want to save none of it. Hello? 
I wanted to go spend it on something I wanted. Hallelujah. It's good news. I got money coming my way. I, I've got this thing on my mind. I've got this, this material thing on my mind. I want, I want to have it. And I've got money to go buy it. It's good news. Every time we hear about good news in our families, we, we rejoice because somebody's been blessed here. Somebody's been blessed there. I was thinking the other day, those three individuals, you know, just a few months ago that won that over billion dollar uh, lottery kind of thing. I think two of them has come forth. One of them hadn't come forth yet. I promise you, every one of them so far said, I've quit my job. I'm not working anymore. You've heard people say, oh, it ain't going to change me. <laughs> it has changed them a little bit. But I've quit my job. Good news come their way, in other words, in that, by that area of the money. I'm not telling you to go out and buy lottery tickets. Just giving you an example here, all right? That's just what happened to them. Good news was coming. And so this mission here, this, this definition of a witness is just sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 19 says, tell them how great things the Lord has done. I don't, I don't need you to go with me, but I want you to go home. And not only just go home, I want you to begin to speak the good things, the great things that the Lord has done. Look, it's not about us. It's not about the church. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about what his message is. It's about what his word says. It's about what his mission. And his mission, his Bible says that he he's not desiring that nobody be lost. He wants everybody to be saved. Amen. Well, pastor, I know some pretty rough characters. He even wants them saved. Our job, wherever we may go. See, I don't, I can't, I don't, I don't know the people that you know. You may not know the people I know, but wherever we go, our message is to share Jesus with them. Amen. Bring them to the house of God. Let somebody pray with them. You pray with them. Speak to them. Evangelize them. Speak positive things in their life. That's the simplistic of the gospel. But here's the thing we've got to get as the church. The mission here is a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Verse 19 says, he had compassion upon them. Had compassion. And so we have different methods. When you look at the methods of, of evangelism or the methods of, of, just, of just ministering to people and sharing the, the good news, the first thing you and I got to do, we've got to surrender our life over to the Lord, do we not? It's got to be surrendered. The Bible says he departed. He departed. He didn't stay there with the guy. He didn't stay there with Jesus. He departed from Jesus, and he went back to the house. Matthew 28, 19 says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8 says, But you, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, wherever we find ourselves. You may be like my grandfather who never got out of Wayne County, Mississippi his entire life. You may, be, you may have people in your family that never has moved from their, their county that they, that they was born and raised in. Never have got out. Never have got out. My grandfather, my dad's dad, we call him Pawpaw, he never got out of Wayne County. That's all. He lived there all his life. He didn't know that there was another world out there. He didn't know that this was out there. He didn't know that was out there. But wherever you find yourself, we begin to preach the gospel. We surrender ourselves. We, we understand that we've got to go and we've got to teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We've got to surrender. Second thing the Bible, Bible says, I, I believe, that it says we've got to seek. We, Jesus says, I want you to go. And the Bible says that, that when he left, Brother Roger, he went and he began, to, he began to talk and proclaim in all of Decapolis. He began to seek. 
Mark 6 and 34 says, And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people, and he was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. He began to teach them many things. Luke 7, 34, The Son of Man is coming eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. He come to share the message of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just got to go out with some folks. Sometimes we just got to spend time with people to share the message of Jesus. We've got to be able to do that. We've got to be able to, 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 to talk to people, communicate that with, communicate the word of God with people that's coming up. They, they just want to hear something of hope. I promise you, we're living in a world today. We're living in a world that doesn't have hope. We're living in a culture today that does not know the meaning of hope anymore. They feel like they get up day in and day out and they have all they have is just this. The junk, the stuff, the strife, all that that they have to deal with each and every day. And there's multiple hundreds in our communities every day that is hurting and suffering. And they're waiting on somebody to tell them about Jesus Christ. We've got to seek. The third thing we've got to share, we've got to share. The Bible says he began to proclaim in Decapolis how, things, uh, how, great, uh, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. All men did marvel, the Bible says. When you look at Luke 14 and 17, the Bible says this, And he sent his servant at supper time and say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent begin to make excuse. For the first one said, I bought a piece of ground that I must needs go and see it. I pray thee that you'd have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee that you'd have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And that servant came and showed his Lord these things then the master of the house being angry said to his servant go out quickly into the streets and into the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind and the servant said Lord is it it is done as thou hast commanded and yet there is room and the Lord said to the servant then go out into the highways and to the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full in other words whosoever will let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. Our job is not to pick and choose who comes to our church. Uh-uh. Our job is not to even look at their background of who comes to our church. Our job is to who, for whosoever will, let him come. And let the Lord minister to them. Seek them out and begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Begin to tell them, begin to show them what the Lord has done for them. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here tonight has God done great things in your life that you know that if, you, if I was to ask you to stand and testify, you could give a testimony of what God, great things that God has done in your life. We have a story, don't, do we not? We have a story. We have a story to share about the message of Jesus Christ. Some of us has been saved from drugs and alcohol. We've been, li- been delivered from all kinds of things. Been, been delivered. We got to show them and tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when this guy went out and he began to proclaim the great things that Jesus done in all of the clapping, the Bible says every one of them marveled at him, marveled at this guy. Look, you you should not have to be made to feel guilty about not sharing the gospel. You shouldn't even have to be reminded every week that you have been commanded to tell others. You and I ought to be motivated by the amazing change that has been brought about in our life. And therefore, it gives us purpose and it gives us reason to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
How are we going to have revival, Pastor? By simply you and I doing our part. By sharing the message of Jesus Christ. I tend to think sometimes, as we said, we got, we got this mindset years ago, and I hope it's not this way anymore, that about how an evangelist is supposed to look. You know, the, the overweight guy with a lot of hair, with a lot of hairspray and all that kind of stuff, whipping and snorting and all that kind of stuff. We've got this mindset as well that when we talk about revival, we've got to have a guy to come in or a lady to come in and preach a series of nights, and they've got to motivate us and energize us and strengthen us and revive us so that we can go do something. And I'm not opposed to that. We need that every now and then. But that's not necessarily what revival needs to be. Revival ought to be every day in our life. Revival ought to be just understanding of the goodness and the graciousness of God, of how he's blessed our life, and for us to take our story and share it and show people what he's done for us. Did not that, is that not what Jesus done when, when, he, when old Thomas came in? Hey, hey Thomas, look at my hose in my hand. Look, look, at, look at the hole in my side. He, he showed him what took place. Sometimes we've got to show. It's not our duty to convict. It's, it's, it's not your duty to convert. It's our duty to convey the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. To convey, to tell the story. A witness simply tells what happens. He simply tells what happens. Many of you have been in court before, right? And you've, you've been called for jury duty, all those kind of things. If you've called to the witness stand, you just basically tell what you know, right? You give a witness account. If it's something you heard, if it's something you saw, whatever the case, you give a witness account of those things. That you, that's what a witness does. You simply, you simply tell what happens. You and I can do the same thing today, amen. Do the same thing. Funny little story I heard several months ago about, a, about a, one day D.L. Moody, talking to D.L. Moody, this lady one time come up to him and was criticizing Brother, Brother Moody, criticizing him for his methods of evangelism in attempting to win people to the Lord. And after she got through talking, she said, I don't like the way you do this, and I don't like the way you do that, and, and I'm criticizing you, and I, I just don't like that. Brother, Brother Moody replied to her, he said, well, I agree with you. I don't like the way I do it either. I don't like the way I do it. But he, but he asked her a question. Tell me, how do you do it? She says, well, I don't do it. He says, well, I like my way better. There's no, there's no special formula. You know, I've been through those, those classes, those, what is it, a three-step or five-step or seven-step program on how to knock on doors? Whatever, five, six, seven-step on how to drive a bus, you know, and pick up kids, those kind of things. I, I've been in those classes. Many of you have too. But the truth about it is there's, there's no formula of just sharing the love of Christ with somebody. Just like it's just simply of sitting down and just, and just talking, sharing. You remember when the early church was formed? Sister Shirley, didn't they say they went from house to house, fellowshipping, breaking bread, just talking, talking about the good news of Jesus Christ? Brother Roger and Sister Kathy, they, they, uh, they treated me and Karen the other night to, for some good fish, and we went and saw that movie, He Is Risen. If you had not saw that movie, it's a, it is a good movie. Got a sort of a different account, different storyline, but what interests me about that movie is that when, 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 that, when that Roman guard, that uh, whatever he was called, I can't remember what he was called now, he asked, he asked, why, why, why do you follow him? You remember that? Why, why do you follow him? He never did answer it. He kept asking, why, what, what's so special about this? Why, why do you follow him? And Jesus encountered this, this guy with leprosy, and this guy was healed, and, and all the disciples was rejoicing and all of that. And as he walked off, that, that disciple come up and said, that's why right there. That's why. That's just one reason right there. But there's more reasons even than healing. God has set them free. God has, has set you and I free. Amen.
God has delivered us. So it's not our duty. It's not our duty to convict those that we're around. It's, it's not our duty to convert them. It's our duty just to share the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. One day after, a, after this evangelistic service, the speaker turned to Mr. Hines. This guy, he said, you are, you're a believer, but with all of your energy, why, why aren't you up and at it for the Lord? This guy, Mr. Hines, he went home angry about what this guy said. That night, he couldn't sleep. It stayed on his mind. Four o'clock the next morning, he began to pray that God would use him to lead others to Christ. A day or so later, at a, at a meeting of bank presidents, he turned to the man next to him and told him of his joy in simply knowing Jesus. He had done this many times before. He had been in those meetings, but he never shared Jesus. And that day, he turned to that person that was sitting beside him and told him about Jesus. And his friend looked at him in surprise, and he said, I knew that you were a Christian already. I knew that you were a Christian. And I've wondered many times why you never spoke to me about salvation. You never spoke to me. That gentleman became the first of 267 converts that this guy, Mr. Hines, won to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the world is far more ready to receive the gospel. Listen to me. I don't want to hurt you here. But the world is far more ready to receive the gospel than we Christians are willing to give it. They're ready to receive the gospel. It could come at all kinds of times maybe convenient maybe inconvenient whatever the case but they're ready and they're willing to heed to the gospel message of jesus christ amen who wouldn't want to know the good story the good message that you and i have who wouldn't want to hear of how God has delivered us and set us free who wouldn't want to understand where we've come from and where the lord has brought us today they're just wanting to hear. And if you and I are a Christian tonight, then you and I possess the greatest news in history. The question is, are we sharing that message? Are we sharing that message? Sister Michelle, I just want you to come and just, just play something on the, on the keyboard if you don't mind. And uh, we don't need any singing or anything like that, but, but just come and play. I want, I, want us to, I want us to re-examine our life tonight. I want us to re-examine who we are as God's people tonight. I want us to re-examine our relationship, our walk with God. Our walk with God. Sometimes we have to re-examine that. Sometimes we have to, we have to move us back in line to those, those areas that we maybe got out of line. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we get, we get so used to some things that, that we just take those things for granted. And we have to move ourselves back in line under the umbrella of the Almighty. And I believe tonight with all of my heart God wants us to become preachers of the gospel. No, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you've got to go and carry a Bible maybe this size or even bigger and slap somebody upside the head to evangelize them to them. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you even got to go knock on a door. There's nothing wrong with that. I'd be careful this day and time of what door to knock on, though, sometimes. It can get dangerous. I've had doors slammed in my face. Some of you that's, that's been door knockers before, you've, you've had those doors slammed in your face when you try to tell them about Jesus. Some of you, you know, they've turned their dog loose on you, been bit, those kind of things like that before. We've, we've, we've done those things. And, and, there, and there has been some that has given their heart to the Lord and thank God for it. But nine times out of ten, what I have found to be true, Brother Adam, is just getting along with somebody, just talking to them, just sharing with them. 
Let them know that you care about them. Let them know that you're praying for them. Maybe it's a friend that confides in you. Maybe it's a friend that comes by and just lets you know, hey, I'm going through some tough stuff. I know you go to church. Would you say my name in prayer? Would you just, would you just call my name in prayer? Have you ever had anybody like that? Just call my name in prayer. I know you go to church. I don't go, but I know you go. So just call my name. Maybe it's somebody like that. I was sitting in class several months ago with one of the laymen uh, of our church. Um, he just left my name. He works in the general offices. You know him, who I'm talking about, Sister Ruth. What's his name? I know it just as well as I know my own. Does done evangelizing his whole life. Uh, help me, Karen. Brother Parker, help me. This, this layman works in the general offices. Well, foot, none of y'all know him either. <laughs> He's from up north. He don't talk right. Uh, Leonard Albert. Leonard Albert. Thank you, Brother Parker. Leonard Albert. Great, great man of God, a humble man of God. I love being around Brother, Brother Albert. You can, you can feel God's presence all over this guy. He doesn't claim to be a preacher, never has. God's called him to Laban to, to, to do laity work. But what I found interesting in sitting with him, and I was sitting in a class, it was, matter of fact, he was here in Arkansas in Little Rock, a particular class, and he made a statement. He said, I've got a neighbor. He said, this man, I've lived by this man some 15 to 20 years. He said, I've been witnessing to him for 15 or however long he said, whatever it was, 15 or 20. I've been witnessing him that long, and he's not saved yet. And big tears started coming down his cheeks. And he said, but I'm not giving up yet. He said, before, before I go, God's going to save that man. He got to crying a little more, and he said, the reason I know that, he said, just the other day, he called me up. He said, he ain't never done that before. He called me up and said, Leonard, I want you and your wife to come over to my house. My wife is going to fix supper for you guys. And I want us to talk about this Jesus you've been telling me about for these many years. And he said, we went over there and we talked. He said, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to lead him to Christ. But at least the door was open for me to talk about him. He got to talking about Sister Nettie. He just, he just weep. You could see the compassion on his heart about he is so strong and so compassionate about sharing Jesus with this guy. I got a little convicted, to be honest with you, because I thought, Lord, would I last that long? Would I witness to somebody for 20 years and not give up on them? What is evangelism to you? What is sharing the message of Jesus to you? Because the truth about it is this, Jesus hadn't come yet. And as long as there's still time, there's hope. As long as there's still time and breath in our body, we have a reason to keep sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got a good story. So I want us to examine our heart. I want us to come around the altars tonight. And I want us just to re-examine who we are as God's people. I, I want you to pray. You may pray a lot of things, but pray at least this. Lord, give me a stronger compassion for those that I know that's not saved that I can talk to them about Jesus. Not trying to push off your religion. That's not what I'm talking about. But I can talk. Open the door, Lord. Provide the way. If it's family members, how many knows family is some of the toughest people to talk to about Jesus? They're hard. Hard. But God, give me a heart for my family. Let me be a Noah. Let me be that person that wants to get them all in. My ark. Let me be that person that wants to 
tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can weep, and sometimes it may keep us up at night in prayer for those people, but that's all right. That's all right. Don't, 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 don't fuss about that because God has given you a heart. He's given you a, a compassion for those people. If you, would you, if you don't mind, would you come, and let's spend a little time in prayer and reexamining our life and our relationship with the Lord tonight. Hallelujah.